Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I'm Tobias, and I'm here again with Yusi. What's up? Hey, Toby. All good here again. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing, besides working and, and spending time with the family and going to the gym and studying for my executive MBA. I'm also studying for a modern marketing degree. And that's an opportunity I got through Microsoft. So I'm doing this online certification. It's also a degree. And it's been interesting. It's six weeks. And each Monday evening, uh, finish time, I get all of the assignments, all of the lectures, for the week and i often try to complete those by by tuesday and what's been fun about this is that many of the topics are something that i've been working on in the past year but at the same time there's this uh more holistic view on what modern marketing is and i found it funny that i'm almost anxious every monday morning to get the lectures to see okay what i'm learning this week even though i'm learning at work, I'm learning on my on my free time, also at school. So this is an interesting add-on to life. And I would highly recommend if anybody else has an opportunity to do this two to six weeks or two to eight week degrees, they they give you this sort of thinking differently approach to many of the things you might be doing. All right. That sounds interesting. Nothing I would consider myself having time with doing in the evenings or right now. Because on my side, I pull the trigger on a Tax Neo 2T cycling trainer. A couple of friends have the same one. And I used to have one of these Tax cycling trainers a couple of years back, I think six or seven years back. The technology at that time was not very good, but I hear that's improved a lot. And also the, the trainer is a bit more silent now, so I can actually use it when the rest of the house is sleeping. So what that is, for anyone who's not doing cycling, it's uh, an indoor training uh, gadget, if you will, where you can hook up your actual road bike onto this device and you can have real or virtual road races with your friends and work out and exercises. I plug this thing into my TV and on the TV, I can see my friends and I can see the ones I'm working out with. Uh, and the reason I'm doing this virtually is number one, in the evenings when I'm off work, it is pitch black outside because winter is coming and I cannot see anything. And you don't go on a road bike here when it's dark. And the other thing is, well, winter is coming and it's getting slippery and, you know, it's very accident prone to go outside in the dark when it's slippery outside. So when the rest of the house is sleeping, I can jump on the trainer and I can get my workout done and, you know, burn a couple of calories and just stay a bit more healthy so I can eat more pizza. So in the end, that's the goal. So you got me with the pizza. I need to get one of these. There well. you go. <laughs> I've, I've actually been thinking of getting a trainer, but for now, I don't have the space for it, even though I think I could I could fit it in my home office now quite, quite nice. Just remove some of your Lego and you're done. Oh, yeah. And perhaps some of the displays and the computer and everything else. And that was the exact same model I was looking into. So I'm interested in hearing in the coming weeks and months on how it's working out for you. And if it's good, I'll, I'll definitely need to get one as well. Okay, so this is actually episode 52. So that means one year of podcasting is done. Ooh. And yeah, any, any thoughts, any reflections? I have a lot of thoughts. It's been a joyful ride. 
it's been really fun in doing this. And I remember we had a, our semi-irregular coffee calls before we started the podcast. And we actually posted in, in our blogs about our experience with this as well. So we'll put that in the show notes. And I recall we had a couple of calls every now and then, and we talked about something and then we slipped into Asher and we talked about something in Asher. And then we realized, why not record these things? And so we started doing that. And now it's been a year and we've released one episode every week. And I didn't think it was going to be this, quote, easy in terms of managing the time and schedule, but it's been fairly okay to get things done. And, and like I mentioned in that blog post, which I'll put in the show notes, one of the things that I believe kind of contributed to the ease of delivering this is that we outsourced a lot of editing and branding and like everything around it. So we can focus on actually recording stuff. And that's why I believe I still think it's so fun. Every episode is, is great fun to do. It's like a coffee call. We just sit down, relaxed. We have a chat about something, a specific topic, or we invite a guest and I'm super happy about that. We can also see the, the audience is growing and people are interested in what we're talking about, which is fun. Because I believe if people didn't tune in and listen, then perhaps we wouldn't have continued doing it after a while. So what's, what's your thoughts on the past year? I fully agree on, on all of those points. And when we got started, I still recall the sort of schedule, like three hours, let's try to get one episode done. And, and we sort of spent time in the beginning to scope out what would be the ideal uh, length of an episode. I think we had one episode with 56 minutes or so, and that was 15 minutes of what's up and what have you been doing lately? And then we sort of evolved into talking about Microsoft Teams. All of that is interesting. But then we sort of, I, I think we agreed in unison that let's focus more on Azure. I, I like how the show has been evolving over the year. And as you said, it's sort of been quotes easy to do the recordings but it's also when you have everything going on in life you cannot just sit down and say okay let's do eight hours of recordings we can get 16 episodes done because often we were waiting for okay what are they going to announce for build or ignite or this or that so we sort of had to wait for certain dates or we were waiting to get something working before we could actually talk about it or we were scheduling things with guests that we've had so, so I, I like this sort of approach that it's, it's painless. There's, a, there's some challenge involved, but then you also see that all of the 52 episodes that we've done, we are still getting listeners on, on, on a wide variety of those episodes. So it's, it's not like something you put often on social media, like on Twitter. You post something on Twitter, and once the tweet is five minutes or older, then it's sort of old news. And I feel now if somebody's picking up an episode for three, from three months ago, a lot of the things are still relevant in that because we try to avoid the thing that just today this was announced and tomorrow it's, it's not something you're going to need anymore. And I, I think we're doing quite well here. And, and I would be happy to say that let's definitely continue and keep pushing an episode a week out. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, so far it's been working out. So I, I think we'll be able to do that. And we did talk about bringing more guests on now that we have an established routine for how we do things. So if you're tuning in and you have something you want to share, something you want to talk about that you're really excited about in, in the Azure landscape, 
just reach out to us on Twitter or email or however you can get hold of us and we'll set that up. And one last thing on this topic before we actually get to the show content. When we got started, I, I recall we, we having these, these planning calls and we, we were debating, okay, so I can, I can fly to Sweden and then we'll record like four episodes. And then COVID-19 hit and we're like, okay, so nobody's traveling for the next amount of months. And now it seems that nobody's still traveling. So I'm happy that the recording, the whole process works so fluently for us. But also I see in the distant future that we actually get to sit down face to face and do a couple of recordings, perhaps have live guests in there that are not remote or not online. And that might change some of the angles that we do for certain episodes. And that's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm interested in seeing in the future. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, like you said, this year, not going to happen. <laughs> hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully by next year, things will open up a little bit. Exactly. All right. So this is episode 52. Recommendations if we started working with Azure today. So Toby, you've been working with Azure since, since the beginning of times, like I have. And, and we've learned quite a bit on the way, and especially in the last year, when we've been researching on some of the topics for some episodes that, that we didn't know that much, but we needed to know more to confidently talk about something and, and, and learning and understanding. So we chose to pick things that we would recommend today if somebody approached us and said, hey, I'm starting with Azure, what should I know? So, so there's interesting points here. Let's get started with, with one of yours. Yeah, and I, I think this angle is actually really interesting. Uh, like you mentioned, we started with Azure a long time ago. I was first exposed to Azure in 2008, and I think that was a, a beta or preview. And at the time, I used something called BPOS, Business Productivity Online Suite, which was Exchange Online and then eventually SharePoint Online before that became Office 365. So this is many, many years ago. And this is actually more than a decade ago. So that's when, when I got started with Azure. And at that point, you know, what you see in Azure today was not even remotely what we had in Azure then. We, you had nothing compared to what we have today. Uh, and that also goes for learning resources, right? So when Azure came out, it came out with maybe one blog post or one announcement and maybe possibly one tutorial about how to do things. But then the rest was pretty much up to you to explore because it was so brand new, just like when SharePoint came out and I started working with that. Nobody knew about it. There was no documentation. Uh, so my first point, if I started working with Azure today, the landscape looks a little bit different. And Microsoft Docs have everything you need to get started. So there's developer guides, there's SDKs and tools and how to use them and how to use them properly for your specific languages. Uh, you have quick start guides for apps and VMs and serverless, microservices and whatever. So whatever angle you're playing, you can find quick start guides for that. And that's pretty much ready samples and solutions to kick off your learning and exploration. Then you have tutorials where you pretty much uh, creating and deploying, for example, web apps or deploying complex VM templates and Docker stuff on web apps and, and things like that. And those are step-by-step -step instructions for how to accomplish and build something from scratch, which is also a great starting point. Then you have code samples, you have samples for the SDKs, you have samples for the CLIs, the Azure CLI, the PowerShell CLI, you have different concepts. So if you're coming from an angle where, well, I need to understand billing, there's a concept section that has billing. So you can understand that. 
There's a concept section for hosting, so you can understand how how to host and what options you have. There is, um, you know, concepts for what is whatever. So what is containers? What is uh, app services? What is, and then you get an explanation of that. So if I were starting with Azure today, I would go to Microsoft Docs, which is docs.microsoft.com. And then I believe it's slash Azure, but I will put that in the, uh, in the show notes, the full link. And there's a landing page called Azure for .NET developers. And this is excellent and can, of course, be changed to any of the other major programming languages that are uh, set up in the docs, like Python, JavaScript, Java, or even Go. Um, me, I'm a C-sharp person. I've been in .NET since 2001. So obviously, going out of that now would be a bit more of a challenge. So because Azure for .NET development is pretty big, they have a huge section with content on that. So if you're coming from this angle or any of the languages I just mentioned, then Microsoft Docs on the Azure side is excellent. It has absolutely everything you need to get started. And then from there, you can also drill down to a little bit more complex examples. So yeah, that's, um, that's a great resource. So what about you? What's your first tip if you were to, uh, to start today? So my first tip is Azure Active Directory, Azure AD. And when I was coaching and, and, and training IT pros all the way back in 2001, we then had Active Directory on top of Windows 2000 server. And I would then say that this is crucial. You need to understand the essence of Active Directory. And now with Azure AD, I keep telling the same. You need to understand the essentials. You don't need to know everything it has by heart, but you need to understand what are the core services with Azure AD? What do you need to understand from those? And, and how can you leverage those when you actually work with Azure? And licensing, I know this is a favorite topic for everybody, but at least understand the licensing basics. When do you need a premium license? What sort of a premium license? What if you have guest users? What if you do, do this or what if you do that? App registrations, that has been evolving in the past couple of years quite a bit. And when I got started with Azure, and then when Azure AD got the app registration support, uh, it, it felt really complex at the time. And there's still a lot of moving parts depending on the scenario, but at least get to know the basics. And also how do you manage things in Azure AD? Users, groups, the different aspects. And finally, the security aspects. There's a lot of security related features in Azure AD, then you have Azure Security Center, of course, Azure Sentinel, Azure Firewall, and so on. But I still feel that Azure AD is the, the key starting point because that ties to so many other things you get to work in Azure. So I think the, the other thing on, on my list is Azure Architecture Center. I come from a developer background and I've been a developer for many years. I started with Azure in, in the dev space and I still do a lot of development, but I also do a lot of operations and architecture and design, designing the right type of solution, which is not always easy. So the Azure Architecture Center is a place where you can kind of make that a little bit easier. So don't just learn how to build something. That's what I mentioned before, Microsoft Docs, you can learn everything you need to get started. But when you know how to build something, you need to learn why you're building it using this or that approach. So in the Azure Architecture Center, you can find design patterns, best practices on security and a lot more, like designing for the cloud, optimizing your workloads when you have them, 
uh, choosing the right technology and obviously the right platform and hosting platforms. If you're going to do microservices or serverless, or you're going to do on a VM or an app service, you know, all of these things also have, that's a question that has an answer in the Azure Architecture Center. Uh, so you can browse architectures. Uh, you can explore cloud best practices because best practices in the cloud can differ from best practices if you self-host your solutions. And you can assess and optimize the workloads you have with the well-architected framework, which is also part of the Azure Architecture um, Center. So from there, you can, if you already have a solution or a bunch of solutions, you can make an assessment where you answer questions of how you get things done. And that assessment will kind of tell you a score like, you're doing well in this area, but there's room for improvement in that area. So that's also a, a, something you can use to learn more about how you do things and perhaps where you can learn a little bit more to improve. And then finally, I also use the uh, Azure Architecture Center to kind of stay on top of what's new because they, they also have a, a dedicated page in the Azure Architecture Center called What's New. And every month they update that actually several times per month. And then they section that as October 2020, these are the updates. September 2020, these were the updates. And every month they just populate this with more news. And uh, that's a great way to stay on top of any new design principles or any new recommendations coming out. So definitely my tip there, Azure Architecture Center, one of the best tips I can give, definitely. What I often do with Azure Architecture Center is I, I go on the sites, I select whatever I don't know enough about and click on download as PDF. Then I have the PDF file and, and my intention is not to read all of it, but to skim through it and figure, oh, this is an interesting thing. Let me read this. Perhaps when I'm having lunch at home, I might be reading for 20 minutes, 30 minutes while I'm eating at the same time to sort of get new ideas. And yeah. to build on this, uh, my uh, recommendation is to be creative, to understand the best practices. And, and when I say be creative, it doesn't mean that you have to code your own firewall solution if you feel that Azure Firewall is not good enough. I've seen that happen at times. So follow up on the guidance, the frameworks, the patterns, the current con considerations, but also think for yourself. If you feel that there's a pattern that seems overly complex for your needs, perhaps there's something else, there's something that can be simplified in there. And you also need to understand the limitations. So when we get a new service in Azure, if you just read the marketing, uh, the blog posts, they, they often sort of don't perhaps underline some of the limitations they might have in the preview. And a quick example, Azure Communication Services, we did an episode uh, just, just recently. I was building a demo on that, and I waited for that certain date when the preview would get the phone number support. And when that date hits me, I go to Azure portal, I try to provision a phone number and it says my, my sub Azure subscription is not a US based tenant. Right. So I open a support ticket and after a couple of days of email back and forth, they come back to me and say, yeah, your Azure AD tenant needs to be in the US. That way you'll get this. So if you just look at the marketing and the promotions, it feels, okay, this is exactly what I need. You might go to a customer and say, now I have the solution, we'll use this now. But then when you actually start using it, then you realize, oh, there's this limitation. So what should we do now? So be creative, understand the limitations. And perhaps the most important bit here, which is also the most challenging, what's the business value? 
not the technical value that you feel is useful, but what's the business value for a customer or your company deploying something? What do they get out of it besides you getting to work on the technical bits? And, and that's often quite hard to quantify. And I, nowadays, I often start with that and then go on choosing the different services. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And that's always the, the question you should start anything with. What's the, what's the business value or what problem am I going to solve in using this? Yeah, I think one of my, my last tips right now is Microsoft Learn. So I talked about Microsoft Docs and then Azure Architecture Center. And then under kind of the same banner, uh, we have Microsoft Learn. And when I started in Azure in 2008, none of these resources existed. It was a lot of things to figure out. And today, resources, they're just amazing. And, you know, the learning material is also up to date. So Microsoft Learn uh, for Azure specifically is doing a great job. So going to the Microsoft Learn website, and again, the, the link will be in the show notes, um, you have collections. And a, an example here is Master the Basics of Azure, Cloud, Data, and AI. You know, a collection is a learning path or a, a collection of learning path with multiple modules per path. So if you kind of want to build your own collection, you can do that. And you can say, well, I need to learn about VMs. Then you can find all the learning path about VMs and you can build your own collection and then progress through that at your own pace. You have training, a training section, and that consists of instructor-led training. So the, the collections and learning path, a lot of that is text-based. So kind of like documentation, but in a tutorial way. So it's going to say, module one, let's create a VM. This is how you get things done. When you've done that, uh, the Microsoft Learn website will automatically check, is the VM actually there? Because you get this uh, subscription from uh, some of the exercises that you can use. It's going to check that you uh, made the configurations correctly. And then as you further your journey down into uh, these type of trainings and tutorials, it will be things like I recently did a, one of, of these learning paths where I had to use the Azure CLI and type in a bunch of commands to achieve something. And in this case, it was setting a DNS for a VM and some public IP stuff and whatever. And then the actual website goes in and check, yep, you did configure that correctly. And whoops, you did miss one thing here. So in order to fix that, you should do this. And that was actually a, a great experience because I did not have a lot of experience using the Azure CLI for DNS. But taking this kind of online training at my own pace that I can do in the browser whenever I have time, that was perfect. And also under Microsoft Learn, uh, you have these certifications. So if you're looking to be Azure certified, there's about 35 exams uh, that matches uh, when I search for Azure. And there's about 15 certifications. So the exams are what's leading to a certification. And some certifications require one or more exams. So I, last year, I took the AC500 for Azure Security. And that required only one exam. But then the Azure DevOps required two exams. So an exam is what leads to the certification. And the certification is when you actually get the proof of, of your knowledge. And that's also something that you can do from the Microsoft Learn Center. So go there select the exam that you want to learn more about, and it's going to tell you, this is what you need to know. Here's how you can learn about these things, and here's the learning path. So you can actually start learning about that. So I guess that's my kind of final tip for if I were getting started today, because now we have these resources. We didn't back in the day, but now they're there. And I would, if I started over, definitely use these resources as my starting point. 
Sounds good. I have one last point, and it's about not being afraid to fail. So if you've always deployed everything you manage to virtual machines, and you know how that works, that's good. You can continue doing that. But often it pays off to consider the alternatives. So challenge yourself and, and try out these different scenarios. So instead of deploying to, deploying to Windows Server with IIS and .NET, let's try this and that to learn something new. So I'm a huge proponent in learning while doing. I often read about the theory and the possibilities, but then I quite quickly open Azure Portal or Azure CLI to try things out. And I allow myself to fail. So I'm sort of setting myself up for, for failure because that often means that I'm learning something. And you can always just delete that resource group without telling anybody that, that you failed. You didn't understand how something worked out. You can come back to it later. And I feel it's important to create this sort of safe space for yourself to try things out without certainty that you will succeed in whatever you set out to do. But it's also important to understand that you shouldn't perhaps spend three weeks hitting your head on the wall to get something to run. If it doesn't work in two hours, then perhaps you don't understand it well enough and you need to do something else. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And uh, to add on to that, get get one of those free Azure developer subscriptions or uh, one of the free credit subscriptions to get started if you want to try something real quick. And Because if you do have a lot of permissions in your corporation or your organization's tenant, you don't want to kind of experiment if you have a global admin or if you have more access than um, possibly that you bargained for and you run a PowerShell script that accidentally cleans up all the research groups and there's no locks in the research groups. All the production data is gone. So don't be afraid to try things out, but do try them out in a safe space. So kind of yeah, avoid the, the headaches down the road by not experimenting too much in your production workloads. And I'm talking not only from experience. Back in the day, I, I have executed a command toward the incorrect uh, subscription. That's many years ago. Uh, it wasn't fatal. It was, I removed a backup of a backup. Uh, so we could restore that in about five minutes. But something else could have happened. I could have removed an entire resource group with all the resources, and then we would be in a pickle. Um, so I, I've learned the hard way never to do that. Uh, isolate yourself and your subscriptions and explore things, but do that in a safe space. Excellent advice. So that's all we have for now. Thank you for joining and until next time. All right. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.